How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray together? Father, thank you again for the gift of your written word. We pray this evening it would live in our hearts. Thank you for Psalm 133 as we reflect on its teaching. Grant us grace to know how we can apply it in our lives, in our church and in our community. Be with us now, we pray, in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Friends, rather than a a kind of vicar-like sermon on church unity, oh, for the love of God, will you please just get on? Will you behave yourselves? And all that sort of thing. Uh, I maybe have bottomed out sermons like that before in a few years back, but that's not where it's going this evening. Probably my focus is more uh, on the neighbour, on the street, on the community, on the city, on what's outside the church, where, of course, I do believe the Lord wants to, fascinating phrase there in Psalm 133, uh, command or even ordained uh, his blessing. Wouldn't that be lovely? that his blessing flows to others, which of course all of us want in our better moments. So it is a a short, if not the shortest psalm, good point, and uh, my three points already uh, reflected on before this evening, and Roland informed me of this fact, were a small story, a big story, and uh, your story or our story. Psalm 133 Probably the most impactful and, to my mind, insightful message of this psalm is not the text, but by all means look with me at the text. Very, very clear structure. couple of things. Isn't it good at the start? Really good conclusion. Isn't it really, really good? Let's go and do this. And right in the middle are a couple of groovy illustrations. It's not too difficult. And we will be looking at that. But the most impactful, insightful thing, it seems to me, probably can be deduced from what's just below Psalm 133, the blessedness of unity in your translation, or a song of ascents. Most people familiar with their psalms would not just work out this is a short psalm, it's a short psalm amongst a collection of other short psalms. They'll then say, well, why is it short? Why is it amongst other short psalms? Were they all grouped together? Were they used at a particular time? then when they were first written, and repeatedly over Israel's history, year in, year out, and so on. Yes, you've got it there. Under Psalm 133, it's a song of ascent. It's a short psalm because it's not a long chorus. It's grouped together because you sing them one after the other, presumably just after 132 and just before 144. Why were they singing in church? No. Why is it ascending? Because they're climbing slowly and slowly to the holy city of Jerusalem on a pilgrimage. This is where it gets insightful and I believe impactful. Every year God's people 
were on pilgrimage to the great holy city of Jerusalem. It wasn't, as it were, metaphorical uphill. I really don't want to do this, mummy and daddy. It was a great big party. It was a festival. All my mates were there. All my clan was there. All people I haven't seen every year were there. I couldn't wait to get there. It wasn't It wasn't metaphorical internally uphill. I don't want to do this. They wanted to do this, but they had to climb uphill to Jerusalem, the song of ascents. So everything was dead and gloomy and dark in the valleys like the Dead Sea, but in Jerusalem it was flourishing. Mount Zion where God, as we've heard, commands his blessing. You need to picture together groups of people that wanted to be together, that were happy being together, that had set their hearts on pilgrimage. Of course, there were occasional spots of bother, as there would be when you're looking after a teenager. This teenager was Jesus, and he was doing his own thing. Word to the wise, if you've got them, we've had five, they tend to do that. And he was sitting in the temple courts, asking questions of the teachers of the law, and Mary and Joseph had lost him. It was that occasion. And on the last and the greatest day of the feast, the crowds were gathered round in great happiness after their time of fellowship and friendship together, after this wonderful excitement of coming from the valleys to the land of promise, Mount Zion. Jesus stands up and says... Streams of living water will come from me. You think this is good? Let me tell you, I'm even better. And so you need to picture this psalm being said, it's really good. We're getting away. We're going somewhere good. We're going to be with our families and our friends. We do this every year. We're going to have to get a great Passover meal. We love that. Especially the lamb with all the adding bits. It's great fun to be together. It's just really, really good because we're united. It's the complete opposite of the harassed, haggard Church of England vicar despairingly saying at PCC, for the love of God, will you just make my life easier and agree and get on? It's not that at all. In fact, it's probably even more sightful. They're having such a good time. The only way they can describe the goodness and the happiness they're feeling inside as they're trekking their way to Jerusalem and they're singing these wonderful songs is, do you know what, this is so good. It's just as if God and me are okay. It's all well with me and the world and God. It's just like... Now, do you remember, who is the fellow who got us close to God because we can't get close to God ourselves because we've, we've got all these things we don't really like about ourselves and, you know, there's that animal sacrifice, there's all that death and there's that blood and it doesn't seem to work, but, oh, there's Aaron. He's the one that does it for us. And, and to prove that he does it for us, we anoint him with oil. And isn't it just so wonderful when you... Dear Aaron, they've all got beards, and the, and the oil, it's not just a little bit, it's poured down him, all over his... Gris- who's, anyone got a beard? No. Precious oil. 
because I and God are okay. Not just a drop of blood or a drop of oil, but the very lifeblood of Jesus himself who said on the greatest and last day of the feast, come to me for living water, come to me and you'll be right with God. These lovely people of the Old Testament as they're on their way to pilgrimage sense this wonderful sense of being happy together. It's like I'm okay with God. Well, I know I'm okay with God because of Aaron's beard. That ceremony happened to him and it's all right with me and God. And you know what? It's not just about a personal thing for me. It's not just about this spiritual thing because for the Jewish people and indeed for us, a spiritual reality and connectivity is not just about us and God, whatever that means. It's something about life and happiness and flourishing and vitality. And you know what? It was dead and dusty and boring and dull and dead in the Dead Sea by Jericho. But in the holy city, Mount Zion, the city of God, Jerusalem, everything, the wine was great. They couldn't get enough of it except when they were drinking it at the wedding. Do you remember that one? The grass was green, the flowers were out. It's a great place to be. It's flourishing because the soil was good. I can't chart the rainfall, but the dew of Hermon, now the dew of Hermon saturates everything. It waters the ground. In the Old Testament, uh, God's created order is never meant to divide spiritual things with physical things. They should be together. And in this wonderful psalm, we have two illustrations. Whatever we mean by spiritual, that we're with God. Whatever we mean by spiritual, physical, that things are okay with us around us. These two things are there. They're, they're happening and they're sorted. Probably there's an intertwining as we sense these things happening in our lives. Spiritually, it's good. Externally in my life, it's good. It's good that people get on with each other. And you can see the dysfunction, the interplay, when these things don't work well. Disunity affects our relationship with God. At its extreme case, disunity can affect people's health and what happens around. From the small story to the big story. This is going to kind of be like war and peace in two seconds. A few people didn't get on. It was pretty bumpy. It was a long novel and there we are, happy ending. Someone had a bite of the apple. Men and women, Adam and Eve's, don't get on the battle of the sexes. And as soon as Genesis 3 goes to Genesis 4, You've got Cain and Abel, murder in a physical human family. And then you have tribes. They're not doing too well. Which one's better? Then you have communication. You have a great big tower of Babel and everything's going wrong. And then if you can somehow order the tribes and who's with who and who's doing what, why don't we try kingdoms? We'll have the north and the south. I tell you what, let's not just bother with ourselves, the men and the women, the kith and the kin, and the tribes, and, and all that's around. Why don't we try and influence the nations beyond and we'll get the prophets to call out justice where it's not going well? None of it, you see, worked 
in the bigger story. And even when the Christ who comes as the living water whose blood was shed to make all things new and the church is formed, men and women were radically treated as equals then. Possessions were shared. There was a sense of harmony as the Spirit comes. Each heard the other speaking their own language. There was no confusion. The Church of Christ was born. There was a foretaste of heaven. The Church spreads as other people get the message. And then, of course, it wasn't that there were vicars to stand up and say, for the love of God, will you please get on with each other? Paul was slightly more nuanced. Endeavour to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace that holds you all together when the apple separated you from each other. Endeavour to keep that unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The big story, of course, is that it's flexing all the time. There's tensions, there's healing. But the direction of travel of the big story is the unity of Christ with his people in this world and indeed into the next. That's the big story, war and peace in a few seconds. The big story, of course, is that we live in a world of disunity and chaos. And the church, to use the Roman Catholic historian's brilliant phrase, should be creation healed. Where it went wrong with the apple, it's meant to go right with the bread and the wine and the company of God's people. Sadly, that is not always the way, but we can taste and see it when it's working. From the small story, that short psalm, where it's principally saying, get happy, <laughs> live a little, get out from where you are. God is good and wants to bless us. Notice how you can be preferred in your physical domain and blessed because he loves you. Notice too, all can be well with you and God spiritually. From the small story to the big story, what about our story? As I indicated, probably not a sermon from a vicar for the love of God. Will you please get on with each other? This is probably for the love of the world. Can we spread a little happiness? and see if God's blessing could be commanded. Because as the Jewish people of old went on this amazing pilgrimage, they sensed happiness. They sensed God was with them. And for the sake of the world, we should be those people that do the same. I came across this amazing story firsthand because I heard, uh, saw recently the story of two young musicians in their mid to late 20s or perhaps early 30s, Jews and Arabs playing in the same orchestra. So these are people that are politically divided in the Middle East at the moment in Israel and Palestine, where this intense conflict is playing out. Dear Daniel Barenboim, who back in my day was famous for his relationship with Jacqueline Dupre, uh, the cellist who had an untimely death is still going strong into his 80s. And he has formed the West East Divan Orchestra where Jews and Arabs play together the same piece. I connected with this or I resonated with it because the person being interviewed in the orchestra 
was playing Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony, one I know a little well, a personal favourite of mine, although numbers four and five are equally good. But he was interviewed and said, you can no longer treat the enemy as an object or anything to control, simply destroy. Once you've played a piece of music like that. If you're not into classical music, please don't bother. If you're not aware of this symphony, give yourself 50 minutes and wait and see what happens. It starts in darkness. Of course, it's 50 minutes, there is a story to tell. But it ends in supreme optimism. It touches virtually every human emotion and aspect of our lives. It ends with a visceral climax like no other. I've privileged to have heard uh, Valerie Gergerev conducting this amazing symphony. He is Russian, probably gets the story from the inside, and you can see as he's conducting, he's just there, he's more than in the zone, he's totally, totally connected. And as this big story of the symphony goes through from darkness to a crescendo of amazing positivity and optimism, I promise you, no word of a lie, there's a millisecond at the end and the whole people hearing that resound in a spontaneous whooping round of applause that literally brings the house down. One day, a voice from heaven will say, come, the dwelling of God, the blessing of God is with his people who've been living in a fallen, dark and occasionally very miserable world. Our task as Christians is to be message bearers of unity and peace and reconciliation to others. Let me read that quote again from this young man playing in an orchestra, this amazing piece of music, and, and the, their relatives have been killed by each other. They've got every reason for a grievance or to be standoffish. Once you've experienced that, and that, my friends, is without God. It's just a piece of music. <laughs> Come to me, the living waters. You can have a great time at this party and this feast and this festival, but Jesus says at the end, the last and greatest day of the festival and feast, Come to me for living waters. One day the dwelling of God will be with his people till that great and amazing climactic day when all will be well, all will be healed and reconciled, somehow we need to be agents of reconciliation to the other. So your story and my story, where does that unity and reconciliation need to happen? If Freud was here, he'd probably say something about the internal and the external. Are you are what you are on the inside to the outside? What is it people don't know? He would say most of the time it comes out, particularly unhappiness, towards other people. Destructively to yourself, certainly to those you live nearby, in isolation and other factors in your neighbourhoods. We won't go down the church route, but what about in your home? What about in your friendship circle 
or your wider family? What about in your street? What about in your work environment? Could, can you spread a little happiness? Can you be an icon of blessing for the unity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? It's probably a new piece of Christian doctrine that's never been written, isn't it? Do you know what? The Father's not getting on with the Son, and the Spirit's arguing as to whether he's better than the Son or who should take pride of place. They're united. So is his church. So one day when the trumpet blasts and earth is reconciled to heaven. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all those here this evening, those in your family, those in your streets, those in our city. Be a child of God. Rejoice in pilgrimage for all God has given you. Be a servant of the Lord. Spread a little happiness. Be a focus and mediator of unity wherever the Lord places you. A short psalm, but with some very long and big implications for us all. How good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. There the Lord ordains his blessing, even life forevermore. Let's be still and I'll lead you in a prayer. Father, we acknowledge before each other the great blessings Christ has been given to our lives. Grant us grace to share those blessings freely with others that they too might taste and see that indeed the Lord is good. We pray for our own pilgrimages, both personally and as a wider church. Help us to be salt and light to your needy world. We pray even now for areas of conflict in our lives, in our homes, and in your world. Come by your Spirit and grant us once again a measure of your healing love. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.